this is, this is fine. This is this fine. This is fine. This is a poor substitute for therapy, but an excellent substitute for Joe wrote other podcasts. We're not like other podcasts. Join us as we find the answers to the universe's biggest questions. Like, is butter a carb? Does crying burn calories? And what the f*** am I doing with my life? We're here to be your part-time therapist, astrologer, concierge doctor, and fairy godmother. Do you need someone to validate you today? Cool, cool, cool. Come on in. We're fine. This is fine. Today's episode is brought to you by Brava. In my own words, the Tesla of ovens, the goat of kitchen appliances, and my very own Easy Bake Oven for grown-ups. This is something I actually use every single day, y'all. Much like how an F1 car goes from zero to 60 in like a millisecond, I don't know, I didn't actually look it up. This countertop smart oven goes from room temp to 500 degrees in one second, seriously. It does the job of super oven, pizza oven, instant pot, dehydrator, air fryer, crock pot, and so much more. Do I sound like I'm on QVC? And it's about the size of a microwave. One of the coolest parts is that it can cook multiple ingredients at different temperatures on the same pan at the same time. Being the strong, independent woman that I am, Brava has made my bachelorette pad cooking unbelievably easy. It also makes eating healthy simple, even when I'm exhausted from running a podcast, building brands, writing articles, and raising an extremely high-maintenance golden retriever. This appliance has been an absolute game changer for me, and I want it to be a game changer for you too. This is fine, listeners. Can get $200 off a new Brava with code Dominique200. I'm going to let you figure out how to spell it. I believe in you. Visit shop.brava.com and enter Dominique 200 at checkout to get your discount, save that money in this economy, and start revolutionizing the way you cook and feed yourself. Greetings, listeners. As you may have surmised, I am not Dominique. I am Cheyenne, Cheyenne Arnold. You might know me from such things as being Dominique's number one hype girl in her Instagram comments, or maybe you're familiar with my photography, or perhaps you follow me on Twitter and are deeply concerned for my well-being. No, but for real, I don't have any qualifications for guest hosting other than being the resident expert on Dominique. And that's why I'm here today, commandeering the This Is Fine podcast. I'm the captain now. Our goal today is to help you guys get to know your friend and mine, the lady behind this one-woman show, Dami Michelle, a little better. And it's honestly one of my favorite topics, so let's get into it. Hello, Dominique. How are you today? Hi. Um, thank you for being here. I'm I'm fine. <laughs> I'm no fine. way. Shocking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not fine, but I'm pretending to be fine today. But um, I'm just so grateful. Thank you for that beautiful intro. Yeah, I think um, it's probably best if we just jump right into the nitty gritty of it. Um, yeah, let's do it. My first it. question. Yeah. How many times do you think you've seen my butthole and how many of those times were in our place of employment? <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Uh, I've seen your butthole probably, I would say, upwards of 10 times. Does that sound right to you? 10 times? Uh, I would say I'd say definitely 10, maybe yeah. not more. If not more. And in place of employment, <laughs> RIP to our former place of employment, uh, I would say four to six, probably, like maybe like a 50 to 60%. Right. And I seem to have no shame on the internet. So I'm just going to backpedal <laughs> and, and, and give some context. Um, I used to struggle a lot with hypochondria and Dominique is sort of my stand-in doctor and as such, uh, had the the pleasure of inspecting me a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, Proctology a, is oh. my specialty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this started out real gross. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you want to start over? Because we don't have to put this no, on the internet. No, it's if you don't fine. Want to. Let's just keep it rolling. <laughs> Thank you for this. It's eight forty-five yeah. in the morning. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's a little later here for me in New York, so sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that definitely, I mean, we were already really good friends, but seeing someone's butthole is definitely something that, you know, gets you to that next level pretty quick. Yeah, it crosses that barrier of intimacy. (laughs) Yeah. And not in like a sexual way. (laughs) Yeah, no, friendship is, you know, a good friendship is based on a lot of intimacy. And I do... I want to say thank you. I'm sure in the moment I did, but I just want to reiterate thank you because most people <laughs> wouldn't do that. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I can look at buttholes. It's fine. <laughs> I, I uh, should have gone to medical school, but that's another story. <laughs> I mean, in your spare time, you basically do on top of like learning Japanese and French. And <laughs> I simply don't know how you do it. Me so, <laughs> yeah, I have the privilege of knowing you pretty well. But, you know, we're here today to give everyone else a little peek behind the curtain. So, Tell us, what were you like in high school? Oh, <laughs> well, I was the president of my show choir <laughs> senior year, which at my high school um, gets you a varsity letter. Uh, and my, <laughs> my, my like separate, what is it, like three degrees separation from fame or whatever. We competed against Blake Lively, like my freshman year, she was a senior. And I thought that was like so cool because she had just recorded or filmed rather the Sisterhood movie. So America Ferreira and Alexis Bladell were in the audience at our show choir competition. <laughs> Wait, where where did she go to school? She was at Burbank. Either Burbank or John Burroughs, they're both in Burbank. And those were like the big schools that had all the money. Like, I think it was over $5,000. And this is like the, you know, mid, early 2000s to participate where our like <laughs> public high school in Carlsbad had like no money. And when we won first place one year, we were screaming so loud from like shock and disbelief. <laughs> That we got like reprimanded by like the board. Um, it's like in the NFL, you you celebrated too hard. Yeah, we celebrated. We just went <laughs> totally balls to the wall uh, with the celebration, and yeah, definitely. I don't know anything about sports, but that sounds right. But aside from yeah, that, um, take it from me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess to like, I'm trying to think of a way to summarize it. Like, I wore at one point like a baby pink silk pleated mini skirt from Hollister with like white and pink like heel like peep toe heels and like an Abercrombie top and would just like wear that as like a regular outfit to school so like a cross between Gretchen Wieners and a choir person <laughs> yeah I mean I'm I'm shocked to zero percent um but were they were they were they kitten heels? We need to know. No, I'm absolutely assuming. not. No. They were like okay. three and a half inch Steve Madden. I thought they were the most beautiful thing that I had ever seen. My dad had a conniption when I bought them. And I was like, I'm expressing myself through fashion. Um, <laughs> I like co-produced one of the fashion shows. We had like a fashion club or something. So we did fashion shows. I took clothing. I thought I was going to go to Fitum the first half of high school and then pivoted and thought I was going to go to music school. I actually did go to music school for like a hot minute. But yeah, a lot of directions. Yeah. Wow. I really thought you were going to say kitten heels. Like you think you know someone, but... (laughs) or And then it's a three and a half inch stiletto. (laughs) So yeah, just imagine (laughs) mini, like silk pink mini skirt and stilettos, just an average like Wednesday. (laughs) Well, on Wednesdays we wear pink. Yeah, literally. To this this day. Yeah. Like I had the pink razor flip phone. Um, In PE, I like rarely would dress out because I'm like, ew, exercise, which is so ironic. Um, But I would be like talking with the girlfriends um, on like, 
I don't know, is it a baseball field or whatever where you like do gym stuff? They were playing handball or something and the girlies were talking and the gym teacher told the boys to like throw the handball like at our heads because we were just like gossiping on our like flip phones. All right. Well, that's like an actual scene from Clueless. So good Oh, for cool, you. cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think they were tennis balls, but we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll pass that. For sure. <laughs> for sure. All right. Yeah. This is an interesting question for you because you've sort of touched on it. Uh, your career trajectory has gone a bunch of different ways. But when oh, you yeah. were little, what, what did you want to be? What did you think you were going to be? How much time do we have? I like I, I know you have stuff going on today. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so given the erratic and overscheduled nature of my brain, this went in a lot of directions. I remember having my first like, oh my God, the universe is so big moment when I was like mm, six-ish and like looking up at space and like realizing what space was. And my parents got me a telescope and I was like, hell yeah, planets and stuff. And I thought I was going to be an astronaut. <laughs> so that was cool. Uh, when I was two years old, my mom, who is a feminist, was like, what are you going to be when you grow up? Like, what do you want to do with your life? <laughs> and I was like, I be mommy. And she was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be mommy. Like, I want to be a mommy, which is also crazy. Um, then at one point, I remember wanting to be a chef. I remember writing that for like a school thing. Like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a chef. And then... Gosh, we moved around so many times and it's kind of like a chaotic, you know, not terrible, but chaotic upbringing. We moved like 20 times. So my direction just kept, I mean, I guess it's parallel with the moving, just kept <laughs> pivoting. Like when you lived in New Jersey, you wanted to be like on a reality show. No, when I lived in New Jersey, I wanted to be anywhere but New Jersey. <laughs> when I grow up, I don't want to live in New Jersey. <laughs> no disrespect. It is a beautiful state, but I wanted to go back to California so badly. God, I'm trying to remember. At that point, I wanted to be Britney Spears. She was my ultimate idol uh, of the moment. Actually, in the third, maybe fourth grade, I put on a Britney Spears performance um, at the like lunch recess or whatever. There was like a stage on the playground. I brought a boom box. My friends made posters. There was no like occasion for it. It wasn't a talent show, but I had like VHS recorded, TRL. I learned all the dance moves to Oops, I Did It Again. And I just decided that I was going to put on a lip syncing performance as a gift to my peers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. And by the time I got to high school, like I said, I, I wanted to be in fashion. I had my ego was really gassed up because in middle school, I got best dressed in the yearbook. And so that was all the permission I needed to just think that I was the next like <laughs> Anna Wintour or Diane von Furstenberg at the time was like a big one for me. So yeah, I got really into fashion and for some reason pivoted. I, I got really into the music thing. I know that's so nerdy with like the show choir and stuff, but I had so much fun like doing the Glee thing and... Yeah, then it was like, oh, I'm going to be a producer or I'm going to be a music supervisor and like pick six songs for movies and TV. Alex, I think Patsavas, I actually don't know how to say her last name. I've only just read it, but she did the soundtracks to like The O.C. and like Twilight and Grey's Anatomy. And I remember at the time, I'm like, she is defining cool music. And I wanted to do that. So that literally an icon. Yeah, right. Like, damn. So that brought me to like 18. And then as you know, but maybe no one listening knows, well, I'm assuming the listeners right now are like my mom and 
like <laughs> us listening back. <laughs> yeah, they know. They know. <laughs> they know. Um, but I changed my major a whole bunch in college too. So career trajectory has been very unexpected. Yeah, because you were, I mean, when I met you, PR was your life. But yeah, I had just, yeah, I, I just switched into PR, which was like, you had to apply to get into it. It wasn't just like you could switch majors. So I had put energy and effort into that. So at the time, I was like, okay, I'm going to ride this out. When I interned, it was the summer after junior year before senior year for me. And I had switched from music industry to neuroscience to public relations in the journalism school. And at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do PR for Hurley. Like, this is it. This is my, like, lifetime career. I'm going to be a VP by the time I'm, you know, 28. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I think it all worked out for the better, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I think um, we're on the right paths. <laughs> um, I've heard this story, but I think it would uh, add some context to the <laughs> podcast. Uh, you started talking when you were really, really young. <laughs> yeah. And I believe the story I know is set in a grocery store. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell this story. <laughs> so um, my mom says that I started talking around, I think it was eight or nine months and not like babbling. She's like very clear about that. Not like mama, dada, like actual words, which is a little scary. Like I think I would be terrified as a parent, like my child's possessed. So I, I think spectators also felt that way. <laughs> um, so my mom tells this story that she took me as a baby to the grocery store. I was sitting in like the little, you know, not car seat. What's that thing called in a grocery basket? The baby seat, whatever. And I was just, like, talking to her about something. And this woman, like, stops my mom. And, like, this is very telling that this happened in the 90s. She stops my mom and, like, very concerned but curious, like, looks at her and goes, is she a midget? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It just, it never gets old. Truly, that's amazing. <laughs> the fact that it still brings a laugh after you've heard this multiple times. <laughs> And, like, no one would ever—I mean, I hope no one would ever ask that today. But, yeah, it's just it's so fitting for the times. Is she a midget? And, I mean, honestly, a little bit. But <laughs> yeah. the doctors told my parents when I was really little that I would be lucky if I made it to five foot. And I'm like, I'm almost five three, bitches. Like, <laughs> look as tall. Yeah, yeah huge congratulations me. to you. Thank you so much. I, I worked really hard on it. So you went to USC as, um, you know, you let everyone know. Um. Yes, always. I, um, I didn't fake play water polo, though. I would love to make that very clear that my parents, one, could not afford to pay someone to pretend I played water polo. <laughs> and two, no well. one would believe it. <laughs> but as such, you know, you were living in L.A., but I just feel like in general you do run into celebrities maybe like with more frequency than others. What would hmm. be your favorite celebrity run-in? Ooh, um, okay. So yeah, the LA thing, USC, when I was a freshman in the music industry program, there was this club called Grammy U. And for some reason, I like won a seat filler position at the Grammys, like the 2009 Grammys. Like I keep I keep hitting my vape pen and then I start talking. And I sound like a fucking puff the magic dragon over here. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm like, what's your favorite celebrity run? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so 2009 Grammys. Let's see. I, I bounced around a lot, so I remember my first like seat filling moment. It was like one of the first like 
you know, scenes or sets or whatever of the Grammys. And I looked behind me and I'm like, oh, that's Questlove. Um, and then looked to my left and it was like Kid Rock. <laughs> it was like so telling of the times. Katy Perry was there. Then they moved me. And I remember I had to take this one spot, like kind of in the middle. And it was between Jason Mraz, Jason Mraz's mom, I assume it was his mother, and T-Pain. And at the time, like obviously T-Pain, like king of auto-tune in like February 2009, right? Like peak T-Pain time. And I like go and like kind of squeeze myself in there and like sit down and T-Pain <laughs> looks over at me and he goes, sorry, baby, my friend's sitting there. He's in the bathroom. And I was like, I'm so sorry, Mr. Payne. <laughs> like, <laughs> get back up and like shimmy back out and like hang out on the sides to watch like Radiohead and the USC marching band play a song. <laughs> well, that is his last name, right? Mr. Payne. Yeah, I assume. <laughs> Shit. One can only does- assume. Yeah, what does the T stand for? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> True pain. <laughs> well, besides that moment, uh, what are you most proud of when you look back on your life as as we stand at this present juncture? <laughs> oh, shit. That's a great question because, like, a while ago, I'd be like, oh, getting into college, that was a big deal for me. I think that's a big deal for a lot of young people, especially, like, it wasn't a huge thing in my family. Like my dad didn't go to university. He went to like EMT and like medical training before going into the fire department. My mom went to UCSD, so it's not like I'm first gen college, but you know, getting into school at that point felt pretty good. Now at this point, I guess like working for myself and having my small business for the past four years is kind of crazy. Like I haven't gone into an office or had a paycheck, like a, you know, a salaried paycheck in four years and that's pretty crazy and I don't usually think like oh I'm so proud of myself but now like thinking about it I'm like okay that feels pretty cool like I did that (laughs) um and uh maybe raising Stella (laughs) I feel like that's been kind of a feat in and of itself I don't know is that a good answer (laughs) yeah I was just gonna I was just gonna chime in like I stand back in awe about it every day like oh and like your little beach cottage, Diane Keaton as a young woman <laughs> lifestyle. Like, can you further elucidate on this? Because I think it's so funny. <laughs> this concept. Well, yeah, it's like Diane Keaton movies. She's always living in some like very chic, somewhat French-inspired coastal cottage. Yeah, and she don't need no man. <laughs> and I think, uh, yeah, I just I remember when I met you. The it's just like the the character arc of you has been really beautiful to watch. And I've told you that before. But, you know, there was talk of of an MRS degree, you know, which was I didn't have a (laughs) typical college upbringing. But uh, to those (laughs) to those who don't know what the MRS degree is, it's like, you know, you go to college, you find your husband. Yeah. uh, (laughs) You know, as we've gotten older, I think we've both realized that there's so much more to life than following societal rules and, you know, timestamps of what you're supposed to do when. And I think we've both struggled with like, you know, feeling like we're behind from our peers in certain ways, but have come to a really beautiful place of like, you know what, I'm really happy with what I have and anything else is like the whipped cream, right? You know? Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, being able to do that with you obviously makes it a lot better. But I've been thinking a lot about independence as like a a skill and a muscle you have to build and also a privilege. Like being able to be independent like this really is a privilege. It's kind of crazy. 
Yeah. And then I guess this is a good seg. Uh, most <laughs> embarrassing, most embarrassing person you've ever dated. Oh. <laughs> Can I just say the whole roster? <laughs> Yeah, I think that that I sums think it up. <laughs> all of them, which is, uh, I have a I have a broken picker, and uh, it's been out of commission, like the <laughs> the ice cream machine at McDonald's. <laughs> the big flurry machine is broken, and uh, TBD on when it's coming back into commission. So yeah, uh, yeah, I've, uh, uh, I've benched myself. <laughs> is that a sports <laughs> reference? <laughs> Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Nailed put, it. Put me in, coach. Um, put, I was, put me in, coach. Don't. Don't put her in. She's bad. <laughs> my my brother has a podcast, and I sent in a question once, and him and his co-host chose it as an opportunity to tell their listenership, I believe that is the actual yeah. word, that I was single and looking for a boyfriend, so I'm just going to pay it forward, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> Dominique is uh, single, just in case, you know, there's anyone, you know, male out there listening. Yeah, anyone who, who, wants who is um, worthy. A dog daughter. There, yeah, there are <laughs> there are many requirements you'd have to meet. Um, and I I would be going through the application. So head of standards. Just, yes, head of standards. <laughs> Thank you for that. Taking over yeah. the position. I think I know the answer to this, but what's your iPhone wallpaper right now? Ooh. It is. Hold on, I gotta look. Oh, it is. Um, it is a picture of Le Plongeoir in Nice. Uh, it's a restaurant that's on this like, like stack of stone, um, in the middle of the water. It's so beautiful, and I am hoping to go there on August seventh or eighth. And I don't know if this is going to come out before or after that point, but it's in Côte d'Azur in the French Riviera, and that is where I'm headed in August. With who? Just kidding. I know. It's me, kind of. <laughs> My, with you, kind of, except you didn't want to come to France. <laughs> yeah, so I really thought you were going to say Stella, and we'll get to Stella, but yeah. I feel like French is a very prevalent thing. France, French culture. You're yeah, a Francophile. Why? Can How you just like analyze me? <laughs> you know, it, it's like I always knew you liked Chanel, and then one day it just became like... Not your entire, entire personality, personality. But like <laughs> a solid, a solid seventy nine percent. So what? Yeah. What was it that got you so deep entrenched in the culture of it all? Well, when I was a little girl, I, you know, loved fashion and wanted to go to France. I had always like dreamed of going to Paris, and in my mind, like that was like the coolest thing ever. It was like chic and sophisticated and colorful, and there was history and beautiful architecture, and the food is the best, and yada yada yada. And then, you know, when I got more into fashion in my, like, tween teen years, I thought, okay, well, I have to learn French because that's, like, <laughs> the language of fashion. <laughs> um, and just really loved the language, and I thought it was so beautiful. I went to Paris for the first time when I was 18 with my friend Jen, who is actually my, like, podcast supervisor. <laughs> Like my consultant, she actually like loves podcasts so much and she listens to all my episodes while I'm editing them to, you know, make sure they're up to snuff. So hi, Jenny. I fell in love again, as like one would expect in Paris, like being 18. It was springtime, you know, like frolicking around, seeing all the sights. It was just, it's magical. It sounds so cliched and it's such a trope, but like how, I don't understand how anyone could go to Paris and not love it so much. So yeah, that was like kind of the beginning of my adoration of French culture, my like, uh, I guess, progress or progression into 
being a francophile. And to be honest, I don't really know. I would like love a psycho uh, psychoanalysis on <laughs> why I'm so obsessed, but I love all the French skincare. I love the culture in general. I love the food. And I have, as you know, um, a French tutor, Isabelle, who um, helps me a few times a month with my uh, listening and conversational skills and grammar and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, and when yeah. I was in high school, I was so obsessed with like Coco Chanel that I befriended the Chanel manager, like the, the beauty counter. And she was so like just charmed by the fact that I was so into Chanel. Like I wrote my book reports on her and stuff like that. So I would bring her my book reports. She would ask for printed copies. And when she saw that I got like A's on my report card, she would make me like samples, like put uh, cosmetic bags together with little Chanel samples and it was so sweet. And my dad would go and get me perfume for Christmas and she would like wrap it all special and put more samples in it. And her name was actually Stella, (laughs) 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 Um, which is funny because I didn't think about that when I was naming my dog, but now it just makes so much sense. Like I loved Chanel Stella and now I've got my own little Stella. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because a a couple months ago, we were in Hawaii in Honolulu at the Chanel store, and you and the the beauty counter lady were just like talking shop, like basically in French. And I was over there, like your toddler, just like playing with the the lipstick. And she's like, "Oh, don't put your mouth on that." <laughs> Literally, she was like, "Please don't put your mouth on that." Oh my god! Wait, but if you, okay, like I know I'm being interviewed, but I'm flipping a little bit. If you were to psychoanalyze my obsession with French culture. What what would the summary be? A super scientific take. <laughs> well, as you were talking, I'm like, dude, it's very obvious that in a past life you were you were either Ooh. French or possibly like French royalty. Something like, you know, you were a significant figure in France, probably Paris, oh if I'm God. tuning into my psychic abilities. So I, wow. I would suggest looking into that for sure, yeah. I want to believe that so much too. Shannon, if you are listening, at one point Shannon told me that my Jupiter in Leo conjunct my south node like indicates like royalty in a past life. So I'm like really hoping <laughs> everything you're saying is true. Like for the sake of my self-esteem and my entire personality, <laughs> Yeah, no, I've got all my fingers and toes crossed for you. And also, Thank you so much. There's, there's, I saw a psychic once who asked me, like, we pointed out some, like, longitudes and latitudes, so maybe there's something there. Ooh, astrocartography. That could be fun. That's the freaking word, yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what would, what do you think would surprise people about you? Absolutely nothing. I am an open book. <laughs> I, dis- I disagree. I disagree. Okay, okay, right. Hmm. I don't know. Did, did anything surprise you about me? The fact that I wasn't blonde, I think, was a big one. Yeah. So when I first met you, it was the internship and you were this, like, in my mind, this, like, USC Barbie who <laughs> would not stop talking. And for some reason, I just, like, USC, I made you blonde in my head. And then yep. I finally got to know you. And I was like, this chick is funny as fuck. <laughs> like, no I one makes you. me no one makes me laugh as hard as you and Aww. I know yeah so you're making I me think, cry <laughs> it's freaking true so well I love you and ditto seriously every time you come and visit I feel like you get in the car and like three and a half seconds later we're like crying <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crying from like, laughing like scream laughing peed my peed my pants yeah, for sure a little bit of pee yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's funny that you did think I was blonde, though. I feel like at the time, my hair was so light from basically not having a roof. Like, I was outside all of the time. My hair photobleaches, so it gets, like, that red color. And 
It's close to blonde. <laughs> it's not, I just trying to yeah. make you feel better. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, I should I should be the one apologizing. What <laughs> you are blonde, which is hilarious. <laughs> I know. Yeah. What would your MySpace song be right now if MySpace may it rest in peace were still around? Actually, oh I think God. it is still around. I don't know. I can't log in, and that's <laughs> such a bummer. At the time, can you can you guess what it might have been at the time? The either <laughs> no. Uh, Oh, fuck. Rebecca This Black might answer Friday. what would surprise people. <laughs> okay, yeah, just just tell us. It was a song by Breaking Benjamin. Okay, okay. Yeah, see, you've, yeah. you contain multitudes. <laughs> I got really into, like, screaming emo music, screamo. You know, still love me some, like, early 2000s emo, mid-2000s emo. But, yeah, I was going through a MySpace music phase that was like real hard there was like a dashboard confessional moment obviously you you had like your hair like severely side parted camera oh, ankle yeah. up eyeliner the deepest yeah. deepest side part so much eyeliner my mom at one point called me the princess of darkness because my room was still victoria's secret pink like the color and you know had the paris posters and stuff on the wall but then i was listening to like stab my heart out because I love you like <laughs> literally I think it was bullet for my valentine is the name of the band <laughs> well this this would be the time that I'm I'm letting you know I'm seeing saves the day next week in New Jersey oh, so yeah and in New Jersey the spirit of New Jersey yeah <laughs> wow that's gonna be beautiful for you all right when do you feel the most beautiful like Ooh. wholeheartedly not just on the outside oh <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're the, you can answer that however you want. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was like, I was going to have an answer, but I was like, this is a hundred percent on the outside. Like I love getting dressed up and like the whole princessy thing. And that's got to be the Libra moon. I think, hmm, I really don't, this is so sad. I don't know. I usually, when I do my makeup, <laughs> well, right. So when do you feel most care. beautiful? I think yeah. when, uh, yeah, when it, I mean, when I take the time to like, write in my journal I don't know oh yeah you know what yeah. I do have an answer when I'm regularly exercising and not just like to be skinny but like I'm taking care of my body mm -hmm. this is a real answer actually when I'm taking care of my body I'm moving like walking you know regularly exercising and treating my body well I'm not like depriving but I'm, I know I'm eating like a lot of nutrient-dense foods um, and just like really taking care of myself in that way I tend to feel like I would use the word radiant instead of beautiful. Like, I, I just don't typically, like, I think, think about myself with that word, which I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, but I feel like that kind of inner and outer glow, not to sound cliched again, but I think I am a walking cliche anyway. So we're just going to lean into it. <laughs> I think that I could have seen this coming, but speak to the irony of you getting an emotional support animal who then <laughs> required... Prozac. <laughs> At this moment, she's come into the room, the recording room, jumped on the couch, and curled up into like a little cinnamon roll, and is just staring at me with puppy eyes. Yeah, so I took my mental health leave from my former employer and knew I, I had made a resolution at the beginning of that year, regardless of what happened. I was like, I'm getting a dog this year. I'm getting a golden retriever. And I'd been making calls to this place that trains therapy goldens. Uh, you can get them at like 12 weeks or 20 weeks instead of the usual eight. And they train them for either, you know, four or 12 weeks to be 
a therapy dog, which in retrospect is not a lot of time, but at the time I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. I was on that list and then I realized uh, after inquiring a bit further that those dogs are $20,000 and I said I would rather have panic attacks. So I started looking at what I would call responsible breeders through AKC and people who had met certain standards and, you know, were maintaining the health of the animal, the temperament, all that kind of stuff versus the aesthetic of the animal. And I wanted to, at least if I'm, you know, going to a breeder instead of adopting, because I had been on the, what's it called, um, Southern California Golden Retriever Rescue List as well. And that is like harder to win than the lottery. So I found a I found a breeder in San Diego because, you know, I wasn't going to be one of those people who flew to another state to get a dog. I wanted, you know, a healthy golden baby who I could, you know, raise on my own, who was local and met the criteria. I saw a picture of Stella's litter, and I'd never seen white goldens before, and I was like, what the shit is this? (laughs) Um, And I thought I was just going to go meet this dog. You know, she says, I contacted her. She said, I have one pup left in this litter. It's a girl. And I'm like, cool. Went to go meet her thinking that, you know, I'm just feeling it out. This is the first, you know, dog I'm meeting in this process. I'm just going to see, you know, the temperament of the parents, blah, blah, blah. You don't go to see a four-week-old golden retriever puppy and leave without leaving a deposit. Like, you just, you, yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things. You, you can't do it. So, I get my sweet pup and I start training her for, you know, therapy work. I, my plan is still to bring her to like children's hospitals and pediatric wards because she loves kids. But yeah, she is on Prozac. <laughs> Stella has very intense separation anxiety, which I think really came on more so during COVID. And yeah, the poor thing just like really hates when I walk away from her and doesn't understand why she can't see people on the other side of the fence. So she barks. <laughs> she has a lot of wonderful qualities, but my emotional support animal has now made me her emotional support animal. I am very much there to comfort her. Last night, for example, I almost went to the hospital. I was in uh, like a severe amount of pain and, you know, it would have been a great dog, great dog, great time (laughs) for my dog to provide some comfort or at least alert someone for help. And instead she said in her, in her brain, I imagine, I don't like what's going on here. I'm going to see myself out. And (laughs) left the house, like went outside. She was like, I am uncomfortable and walked away. (laughs) Amazing work, Stella. Yeah, good job. Yeah, she's doing the most. (laughs) She really has boundaries. You know, she's looking out for herself. If she's uncomfortable, she's just like, I am a head out. So yeah, that's the story of my Yeah, Yeah, boundaries (laughs) are good. We are at 35 minutes. Okay. Do you want to wrap it up? Do you want to keep going? How are you feeling? I guess I have one more question. It's kind of like Okay, serious. yeah, let's do it. What compliment do you hear the most? And is there a compliment you'd like to hear more? Oh, that's cool. This is, you know, this is hard for me because I get self-conscious, like <laughs> any sort of praise for myself. I hear, are those your real lashes? Probably every day that I go outside that I'm wearing mascara. <laughs> <laughs> and have heard that since I was a child. So thank you to everyone who has acknowledged my eyelashes, it is the part of me that I am most secure about. <laughs> <laughs> when all else fails, I'm like, well, at least I have long eyelashes. <laughs> okay, we're, we're um, going to work on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my therapist retired. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
A compliment? I would love to hear more. I love your podcast, and I showed it to all of my friends and subscribed and joined your Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that actually leads me to one of my final questions. Oh, okay. What is your dream partnership for this podcast? Mm, Great question. Gosh, I've been so focused on just getting everything done. You know what I mean? Like scheduling and recording and, you know, writing out outlines for episodes and coming up with topics and publishing that I haven't been able to like really think big. I don't even have a marketing plan yet. God, the first thing that came to my mind was Paris Hilton just because (laughs) she has a podcast called This Is Paris, which I only found out like two days ago. (laughs) And she uses Barbie font too. And I was like, F my life. Like, yeah, honestly, uh, maybe that's a better question. Who's your dream guest? I find that yeah. more interesting. Yeah. Wait, so what do you mean by partnership? I I just assume yeah, guest. Yeah, like, oh, I meant like a sponsor. I'm trying to get you a sponsored ad here. Oh, girl, thank you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> My dream sponsor would be Chanel, but they would never because they are way too exclusive. Um, <laughs> the country of France, France tourism. Um, Sanrio, maybe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be like cute. sponsored by Pom Pom Purin would be like huge for me. <laughs> it's very niche if anyone knows what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, something like that or like a skincare line or a perfume line would be really cool. But yeah, guest someone like Paris Hilton, I think would be really cool. I think she's she plays dumb very well, I think, for her own entertainment and anyone who's like in on the joke. But she's actually like very smart and very eloquent. And I think yeah, she's hilarious. I- when I heard her actual voice, I was shooketh. Yeah. It's all that like Aquarius brain. Like she's just like weird, you know? <laughs> she yeah. has her own weird sense of humor. She's entertaining herself and honestly being very smart by playing so dumb because she could build, you know, a very prolific brand around it. But I, I love her like attention to early aughts, late 90s uh, trends and styles right now. And uh, she's just kind of ageless, you know? I think she just turned 40 and she's still, you know, planning on having a baby and she's just as like youthful and vibrant as she was 20 years ago. So yeah, yeah she honestly, she's is, she seems like a chill hang. Yeah. Super cool I, hangs. Yeah. I feel that way about Selena Gomez too and Taylor Swift. Oh, she'd be so cool. Both of them. Oh my God. Well, like that's, you know, behind the sky dreams would have all the girlies. But yeah, I've been truly like just enjoying talking to people that I know and sharing, you know, their lived experiences and their stories with more people. And on episode three, Les Alfred from Balanced Black Girl said, you know, networking across and even not just like in the networking sense, but just working with people who are kind of on like your, your, uh, I don't want to say fame level, but you know what I'm saying? Like not Paris Hilton has been really rewarding. So I really love that. Yeah, actually that's, that leads me to, I guess my final question. What was the impetus? Like what made you want to start this podcast? Oh, great question. Okay. So Most people know, if they're listening to this, I've been in journalism and writing for, you know, major mainstream international publications for the past, like, almost seven years-ish. And the thing with that is you have to go through a lot of channels to tell the story that you want to tell. And then from there, you're still going to get edited, whether it's in word count or tone or sometimes even the content of what you're saying. That part's hard for me. Not in like an egotistical, like don't touch my words way. Like that's definitely a part of it. But there are a lot of things that I want to share and tell and stories that I think need to be told. And it's hard to get that done a lot of times, especially now in more of a freelance position where I'm writing for multiple publications. 
you know, every once in a while you pitch out some ideas of things that you want to talk about. And if they're not clicky enough, if there's no commerce, you know, angle or shoppable angle, or it's not like a highly searched term yet, it's really hard to tell those stories. And I've wanted to do long form. I've wanted to do funnier articles. Like, you know this, like my natural state when I'm writing my natural tone and voice is much more not necessarily self-deprecating, but definitely more tongue-in-cheek and humorous and sarcastic. And that gets filtered out almost completely with the writing that I do for more of the mainstream stuff. I would say like InStyle definitely lets me be a little more goofy. Thank you to Kylie if you're listening. So yeah, I guess unfiltered stories, more stories, not having to go through hoops to tell them, having that creative control and being able to fully share things and help people and I don't, you know, no one's truly altruistic, but in my own altruistic way, like I just want to help people, whether that's by, you know, making someone laugh for, you know, a few minutes or teaching them something about their health or helping them feel validated and less alone in a certain experience. Like, oh, someone else goes through that too. Like, I feel a little bit better about it. Yeah. I just want to like help people and tell these stories. Uh, Sorry, that was a little rambly. No, I mean, I've seen what some editors have taken out of your work and honestly jail jail to them. Jail. (laughs) Straight to jail. Straight to jail. Yeah, you just have such a great way of, you know, boiling down information that is normally so complicated and hard to understand and make it easily digestible for people like me. And and that's because of your sense of humor and and just your colloquialism. And it's like reading a friend, which, you know, you are my friend, but I think other people Yay. who don't know you pick up on that as well. And so very stoked that we're taking it to the airwaves in this medium. Thank you, my angel friend. That was so sweet. That's the compliment I want to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, it's truly that um, that hits my heart very, very strongly. Thank you. Okay, well, now I want to cry. Now I'm, gonna, now I'm crying. <laughs> Actually, I really, have to, I really have to pee, so this might be the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Although it would be keeping it... bathroom break. Yeah, it would be keeping it on theme if I brought you all to the bathroom with me, such as I brought Dom to the bathroom with me. <laughs> so many times. <laughs> um, Shai, thank you. This is so weird, but fun. <laughs> yeah, this has been really great. I'm going to start my own podcast now. Um, please do. I would love to be a guest. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is good for me. Thanks. I'm the captain now. I'm the captain now. All right. Well, that was a pleasure. Oh, I love you. And an honor and a privilege. It's an honor and a privilege. Thank you, Shai Shai. Love you. Love you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of This Is Fine. I've been your host, Dominique Michelle Astorino. We're based in San Diego, recording in studio at DLI Productions in Pacific Beach with Emmy Award-winning sound designer Dan De La Isla. This is a comedy and advice podcast, but for legal reasons, this entire podcast is a joke and none of it is medical advice. To download the transcript or learn more, visit thisisfinepodcast.com. 